come back to we've kind of dealt with the, kind of the early stages of worship last week. I think one of the one of the more important and difficult things that assignments we've been given is to worship kind of from the prison cell, to worship from the Acts 16 beating, to worship from a place of pain or disappointment or where was God when kind of stuff. Today we're going to come back to a completely different thought. And I, I don't, I don't, again, I haven't planned these out just kind of the week before I go, God, what do you want to do? And that's what we've been doing. So let me, let me start with this thought. Everybody here, you were created for a purpose. Do you believe that? Yes. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, you're God's workmanship. You're created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God prepared in advance for you to do. So you are the solution to the problem that God created for a season just like this. You're the answer to the question that, that someone's going to ask. God's put you right at the right place, right at the right time, with right at the right stuff. And uh, part of the thing that we are to do, we're created to do, we're gifted to do, we get to do, is to worship the Lord. Psalms chapter 150 verse 6 says, let everything that has breath, come on. And then if you didn't get it the first time, he says it a second time. Praise the Lord, right? Uh, Beyond that, though, things like Deuteronomy 6, which is translated in Matthew 22, where it talks about, what's what's the greatest thing I can do? Like, to, to obey God, to please God, the first and greatest commandment, what is that? And Jesus says, well, the greatest thing you can do is this. It's to love the Lord your God with all your, come on, with all your, really? That Tom Jones dance got you to say soul? All your mind. And some translations even go on to all your strength. And, and I would just say this, like, like that is important, right? That the, one of the things we are created to do, one of the things that fulfills us, one of the things that fulfills our purpose, one of the things that blesses God that we can do anytime, anywhere, for any excuse, is to love on him, to worship him. That's, we're created to do that. We get to do that. Another thing that we find is in, is in Luke chapter 7, as we call it the 747, the jumbo jet of truth, where those who have been forgiven much, what's the result? They... They love much. There's just, man, I'm just so grateful that God has forgiven me that I just, I kind of can't not say thank you. I just do. I just am. So open your Bibles today to Acts chapter 20, and we're going to get into a story that has nothing to do with worship, and will probably relate to at least half of the room concerning worship. Acts chapter 20, verse 7. There are such blessings in this story for you, and there are such blessings in the story for me. I just can't help it. You ready? Here we go. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. And Paul, the apostle, he spoke to the people. And because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. Somebody say amen. One hour service, my butt. This guy was just going to preach, man. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where they were meeting. And seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep. Here's, this is for you. As Paul talked on. And on. I always appreciate the honesty of Scripture. When Luke writes it down, as Paul talked on, no, and on, and on, right? Uh, And understand that the the limitations of the language that's being used here, they don't have exclamation points and question marks. So when he emphasizes on and on, he means on and on and on and on. Now, Eutychus is positioned in this window. It says, when he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Amen. Every pastor loves that story. And the moral of the story is fall asleep in church and God will kill you. Let's, let's go on, because you need to hear the rest of it. It's not nearly as fun, but it's good, right? Paul went down, throws himself on the kid, puts his arms around him. Don't be alarmed. He's alive. He brings him back to life. Then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. And after talking until daylight, 
You talk about marathon services. He left the people. He left. The people took the young man home alive and were greatly encouraged and comforted. So I, from this story, like you say, what, how does that have to do with corporate worship? I, I think Eutychus really is symbolic for a lot of things, a lot of places I've been at in my life on a lot of different issues, and maybe we can learn something from him today. First thing is, is this, is that Eutychus, he was as far away from what God was doing in the room as he could be without leaving the room. I didn't expect an amen, but a couple of oh my's and a yawn will do. In, in other words, God was doing something in that room just like God is doing something in this room. And there was an expectation that he had. There was, a, there was a desire to be in a certain place in a certain way. And I don't know if the kid worked all day in the field and Paul's talking on and on. I don't know if Paul's been to town before and he's not his favorite speaker. I don't, all I know is this. This was a moment that was never going to come back again. This is the last visit to this town that Paul will ever, ever give. When he's in Ephesus, he calls for the Ephesian elders in the very next kind of paragraph of the story. He says goodbye, and he says, you'll never see me again. He literally is going to Israel. Well, he'll be arrested in Jerusalem, transported to Rome, and executed for his faith in Christ. So this is it. This is the last night. That's why Paul talked on and on and on, because it's my last chance to tell you what you need to know, because you'll never hear my voice again. And so this kid, he doesn't realize that. He was as far away from what God was doing in the room as he could be without leaving the room and it had all all the all the the fingerprints of heaven on that moment and he just didn't appreciate it for was think of think about this way Eutychus chose to observe where he was created to engage he chose to observe to sit in if you're in the back or the front it doesn't matter so sit in the back he was in the back because that's where the cool air and the warm terracotta was but I'm not saying if you're sitting in the back you're wrong we have deacons sitting in the back row we have, you know, staff sitting in the back rows. This is not a back row. It doesn't matter where you sit. This is not a back row sermon. But understand this. His, his positioning was for comfort and, and not for engagement. Does this make sense? Say, so why do you keep calling us to the altar? Because when you're at the altar, you're not at your chair. And when you're at your chair, there's a certain comfort with the people. There's a certain comfort with the surroundings, a certain expectability, a certain privacy where you can grab out your phone and kind of look at your stocks and see what happened last night in Ukraine. And, but, but when you're standing at an altar, there's you and God and a bunch of strangers you don't really know. So we tend to find ourselves really more engaged with Jesus in new places than we do in old places. And so I, I just want you to remember this. I was an atheist who went to a rock concert and got born again. So when I walked into an Assemblies of God Pentecostal church, you can imagine what I was thinking. These people are nuts. They certainly love the Lord, but they need medicine. I had never seen people raise their hand. I think I've told you this before. The first time I saw somebody, they just kind of raised their hand, and I thought, dude, just go to the bathroom. You don't have to ask permission from the pastor. Why are you... He has a question, what is he doing? And it was actually during the preaching of the sermon, this guy's like, oh, that just moves me, and he just started worshiping right in the middle of that, and I just thought, what's he, what's he pointing at? I had no idea what was going on. Um, when they started worshiping, there were songs I'd never heard before. The words were foreign to me. Thank God they had these books called hymnals. We could open them up, but I couldn't pronounce or, some of the words. I didn't understand some of the words. I think I just know that when you're singing against, kicking against the goads, you're like, Bleh. You know, what's a goad? Like, careful, don't step in the goad. Like, we don't know what it is. You know, there's the sheep and the goads. We don't know what it is. But, but there, all this stuff was new to me. But, but I, I remember, because again, the, I don't know if the pace of life has gotten quicker or we've gotten more user-friendly or what it is, but the services back when I first came into the church in the mid-'80s, they go on for three hours. Some of you guys remember the three-hour services. And, and a good hour of that was spent in worship. 
and testimonies and altar calls and prayer. The preacher get up and he would spit. You say, why are the chairs so far back this morning? I'm excited and I spit at least two rows. So he got rid of the first two rows. Otherwise, you'd all be anointed in this, in this area with spittle, right? And, and I, I, remember, I remember, you know, you can only kind of politely watch them. I'm observing and, and, a, and I was supposed to be engaging, but I was created to engage, but I'm observing. But I mean, I just know that after a while, like it's, it's not crazy. It's not nuts. It's not, I mean, at first I felt like, you know, the junior high dance. Remember the junior high dance? All the girls are on one side of the Bablo boat and all the boys are on the other side of the Bablo boat on the dance. How many of you guys are old enough to remember the Bablo boat and you drink Fago and you're not ashamed? You're not ashamed, right? But for all of us, you know, the, the gymnasium cafetorium. Remember that? All the guys on one side, all the girls on their side. And, and after a while, if you sat in there, if there was a dance every weekend, eventually you'd probably start, you know? But, but you're just, it was uncomfortable. Like, that's what it felt like for me. I'm watching people love Jesus. I love Jesus, but I don't know how to love him like that. So I kind of felt like the junior high school or the seventh grade at the eighth grade dance. And I remember, I remember it started kind of getting, I don't know, in me. I remember feeling something that I wanted to express to God. And I, and I thought, well, maybe I'll raise my hands. I thought maybe I'll, I'll lift my voice. Maybe I'll close my eyes. Maybe I'll clap. Maybe I'll, I'll you know, go down to the altar. And it was so intimidating. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Do you still get this? I was, I was, it was so intimidating to me. But I wanted to so bad. I kind of felt like, like there's this moment. It didn't change. Why didn't it change? There it is. <laughs> right? You ever been there? Like, like I know eventually I'm going to give in to this. I know that resistance is futile. I know that at some point in time, I'm going in the water. But there's just kind of that holding out, because I, I don't know what I was waiting for, but I, as you examine it, like, what was I waiting for? I think what I was waiting for was just to get over myself a little bit. I was scared. I remember the first time, like, I literally remember this, the first time I raised my hands in worship. I remember going, okay, here it comes. All right, I'm just, I have to express this. It has to come out. I just said, oh, God, here I go. And I, I, I thought there's this part of me, I'm going to do this, and all the music is going to stop. I'm going to open my eyes, everybody's going to be looking at me, and my fly's going to be down. You know what I'm talking about, that feeling like you don't know what to do? But that didn't happen. I engaged with God, I got in the water, and it was amazing. I, I, I closed my eyes and raised my hands, but here, in doing so, I entered a new world. And I, I just want to say this to you, like if it's still weird to you and awkward and it's not my tradition like I, I get that but can I just echo what my wife said earlier she's talking about other things but but it applies to this too you know sometimes being comfortable is not what we're here to be a matter of fact as as they sacrifice how many guys know the sacrifice isn't often comfortable as it's being sacrificed that there's, there's a certain cost to it secondly I would just want to say this to you he found the most comfortable spot he could find there's, there's the back row, there's the front row, whatever your comfort zone is. There's the with friends, there's it with strangers. But that warm terracotta clay building and that cool night air coming in and after a long day, he finds us and he totally missed what was happening that night. He was looking for what was comfortable, hear me, in an atmosphere that was created by God to be transformational. And we have to be careful. Now, I'm talking to the seasoned saint that's in the front row, every, every worship service in the altar. I'm talking to the young person that has no sense of self-consciousness. I'm talking to the people that just walked in for the first time. I'm talking to people that your Christian tradition doesn't really have a lot of expression in it. It has a lot of reverence in it, and you feel kind of weird about it. But hear me, all of us, how many of you guys know that when there's an, an infiniteness to God, there's always going to be more we can say to him? There's always going to be another step. He'd been in this room before. It was normal to him. This probably wasn't the first time he sat in that window. It was where he sat. It was what he did. 
But in doing that, he really positioned himself in a way where he was missing what God was doing. The Apostle Paul, writer of three quarters of the New Testament books, was speaking and he was sleeping. God was moving. Things were being imparted. The Holy Spirit was, was on the move and he found himself a nice, comfortable place because he thought that it was, it was an atmosphere by which comfort was the best he could achieve. Listen to me. When you're in worship, comfort is not the best. Transformation is what worship is there for, to glorify him, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So we think about worship, it's like, that's not my tradition. I get that, but, but the question is not what is my tradition, it is what pleases the Lord. And I'll tell you what, I'll be, I'll be completely transparent with you. When I walk into a Catholic church, and, and, and I, I, for services and masses and funerals, occasionally I'll be there, there is, a, there is a reverence I know very little about the Catholics have cornered. Do you know what I'm talking about? I've been like in places in the world where the, the church is more of a museum, but it wasn't built by people that had a museum in mind. There's people that had worship in mind. And I've walked into those places and sat down. I've been in Rome, Italy, and uh, we were taking some time or whatever. My feet were sore and the cobblestone streets weren't helping. So I just, I just snuck off the square and went and sat in a mess. You say, well, what'd you get out of it? It was in Latin. It was in Italian. It wasn't in English. But I'm telling you what, I, I don't know what language God speaks, but I can hear him when he speaks. And I can feel him when he's there. So I'm not, I'm not saying that you need to worship like us because we're the way that you should worship. I'm saying every opportunity you get to glorify the Lord, you should take it. And I wasn't overly comfortable as they were, you know, my dominoes fall faster than your domino. I didn't know what they were doing. I'm sorry, I was an atheist. If that's, I don't mean to be a reverend, I really don't. But I just remember like, are they ordering a pizza? I have no idea what dominoes, you know what I mean? But, I, but I, remember, I remember watching that, but, and I didn't get anything out of it, but as I closed my eyes, I could feel the pleasure of the Lord in my heart. And the same thing happens at a Baptist church. The same thing happens at a Lutheran church. It's not the name on the door. It's the desire of the worshiper who walks through it that will connect with the Holy Spirit. So in this room, guys, I just, I want to encourage those of you that are like, I'm, you know, I saw the last two weeks, when would this series be over with? Because I'm tired of politely watching from my comfort people worshiping. I, I, I'm not into that. Can we talk about something more relevant to me? But understand this. Please hear me. As your pastor, and if that's what I am, I have to say this to you. I am not here to make you comfortable. I cl- I'm glad when you're comfortable. I'm not like, let's get really hard seats with nails on them because you should be afflicted. I understand this. If we're not being disquieted and made uncomfortable from time to time, we're probably not growing. So let me ask you this question. When was the last time you did something for the first time to express your love for God. When was the last time you sat quietly at a midnight mass? When was the last time you, uh, you listened as a Baptist preacher expounded word by word, line by line, precept by precept, the word of God? When was the last time you came to an altar and just loved on Jesus as maybe only a, a Pentecostal environment might facilitate. When was the last time you did something for the first time just because you want to know Jesus in that way? Does this make sense to you? I'm, again, I, I hope you hear my heart. I'm not saying we've got it all right and everybody's got it wrong. The person that says that, I don't trust. My cultometer goes, <laughs> I'm just simply saying this. We've got a lot to learn about worshiping an infinite God. But this morning, and band, if you'll join me, um, I, I, th- I think this morning is a good time for us to start to walk into that, that freshness of experience. There is an altar, and we worship at it. There is a, an environment that worshipers create. How many of us know that this stage is often filled with brilliant worship leaders? But in every congregation, there's brilliant lead worshipers. 
so maybe we shouldn't come to the altar. Maybe we should. I, I thought about this morning, like, everybody just stay where you are because instead of having all the worshipers up front creating kind of an us and them atmosphere, maybe we should all stay where we are. But I, I'm going to go a step farther than that and say, if you've never been to an altar to worship God, because it's new to you, it's different, it's not your tradition, you're self-conscious, I can't sing right. Listen, my, my good friend Dave Carlton is gone, and he went to be with the Lord here recently, but for 26 years, that man worshiped the Lord and made a joyful noise. But I want to capitalize the word noise. Because the dude could not carry a tune in a paper bag. He would stand next to me, off rhythm and off note, loving Jesus. And I don't think God said, oh, Dave, would you please shut your pie hole? I don't. I think, I think the Lord was pleased by his offering. Because it may not be the best there is, but it was his best given, his utmost for his highest. Does this make sense? So this morning, what's your utmost? And what would you give for his highest? We're not receiving offerings of money. We're not receiving offerings of service. Simply today, what if we became a musical instrument through which the Holy Spirit could blow the sound of praise? What if who he is could move through us? Last thought is this, and Ben, you can start playing anytime you want. He, he did what was expected. He did what was normal. He did what was average. You know what the, the word Eutychus, this is this kid's name. The word Eutychus, and, and I don't understand how this works, but his name means fine. It, it literally means like average. So imagine this. The joyful moments arrived, the midwife, the stool, the manger, the wise men, whatever it is, right? Just picture biblical times. Guy in robes, long beard, comes out and he says, congratulations, Nehemiah. It's the son. And he goes, he's average. Like, what did this kid grow up? What was the expectation? This is my son, C+. <laughs> what were they thinking? You know, name him Spartacus. Name him Maximus Decimus Meridius. What's his name? Eh. This, this is my kid, Fa. <laughs> right? So I, it doesn't surprise me that someone who saw himself as unworthy of greatness sat at a distance and allowed the great ones to do what great ones do, but that's not for me. And I'm here to tell you guys, your sacrifice of praise is just as great as Paul's is, just as great as David who danced before the Lord. If you think that your name is Eutychus, I'm here to tell you, God has not called anybody average. He didn't create you to be average. He didn't create you to learn in an average way. He didn't create you to, you know, to, to move in an average way. He didn't create you to have average knowledge. He created you to be something really special. Matter of fact, so unique that your iris, your fingerprints, that just like God made you to be so incredibly, abundantly, infinitely unique from everybody else that if there were two of you, then God is redundant and God is not redundant. He wastes nothing. Your praise to God means the same thing as anybody on this platform. Your praise to God, your, your ability to lift your voice, whether it's in tune or out of tune, has no bearing on worship taking place or not. If what's happening inside here is being expressed through here, through here, through here, through kneeling, like God is being honored. And that is why we're here. One of the things God has us in this season, in this place together with a room full of people right now, is that together we would remember We'd relearn what it is to worship together. Would you stand to your feet all over this room? Stand up to your feet. And just this thought, come on, this thought. I, there's this part in this next song, and it's very biblical, where David encourages himself in the Lord. But, but the words that the author of the song have chosen, it's really unique. He says, come on, my soul. Don't you get shy of me. Lift up your song, because you've got a lion inside of your lungs. I love that moment. Come on, my soul. 
That, that, that self-talk instead of saying, well, that's for them. No, come on, my soul. Well, I, I, I'm not right with God. But then get right with God. And come on, my soul. Well, but I, you don't know where I was last night. I don't know where you were last night, but I know where Jesus was 2,000 years ago praying for what you did last night. So come on, my soul. This is my Savior. This is my King. This is, this is better than Matt Stafford. This is better than Michigan beating Ohio State. When we find those places where our team wins, we go, yes! Well, you were created to worship, but not just lesser things, but the greatest thing of all, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the champion of champions, the victor of victors. And so today in this room, we've got this opportunity before we leave. We've got time. We've got like 12 minutes and 34 seconds. No, we got like 20 minutes. I'm supposed to be done in 12 minutes. How many of you guys still believe in miracles? Right on. So you can be content and comfortable and find a place and fall asleep and fall. When it comes to Christ, it's your, it's your free will. Or you can take that step forward and say, you know what, there's lamps in this room. There's people in this room. There's the Holy Spirit in this room. I didn't come here to be comfortable. I came here to be transformed. Transformational. Not, not content, but contending for that faith, that place with God. So I'm just going to say this. When I say go, you can move out to the altars. You can stay where you are. And, and if you say, I'm not ready, then get ready. And when you're ready, come on down. If you're, if you're not like, I just feel like the Lord wants me to be here, then no, there's no shame. Like I'm, if the whole service, can you imagine being the only guy that stayed back? <laughs> right? Like that's not, the, we're not, there's no us and them. But I would say this, whatever, whatever something may be new for you to glorify the Lord, let's, let's, let's not just do it because it's new. But when was the last time you did something for the first time to glorify your Savior? I think it bless him. I think it bless you. Remember a moment of surrendered hearts and worship will accomplish more than a lifetime of my own efforts. How many guys know that the hands of God can shape us when we give ourselves into the hands of God? So Father, I thank you. I've got a soul, and today I'm not going to be shy. I've got hands, I've got feet, I've got lungs. And I'm going to glorify the King of kings and the Lord of lords and, and the champion of champions. Today, God, my offering is me. Again, this, this front is not just a, an altar. It's an offering plate. It's a place where I give me. It's a place where I surrender my traditions, where I surrender my pride, where I surrender my preferences, my comfort. And I come before the King of kings and say, here I am. Here I am, God. Use me. Use me. I'm not going to be like a dog hanging over a bathtub. I'm going to let go. I'm going to fall into that water and be cleansed. I want to be transformed and be changed. Come on, my soul. 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 Come to the altar anytime you want. Father, this is our sacrifice. God, this is our offering. We give you us. We're going to learn to worship together, God. We're going to learn to do.